Welcome to the ShakeOut Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Van Buskirk. In this week's episode, we travel across the Atlantic to a bustling bridge in England to relive an epic race against time. This is the story of a young woman who made history by taking on a parliamentary bet over eight decades ago. Earlier this month, a British author by the name of Scott Pack took to Twitter to share a story with the world. He released a series of 12 tweets, the first of which read, I want to tell you about a remarkable woman that you almost certainly haven't heard of. The woman in question was Florence Eilat, a promising British amateur sprinter. In 1934, Florence became the first person to run across London's Westminster Bridge in the time that it took Big Ben to chime 12 noon. Several others, mainly men, had attempted this feat over the years, but it took a 19-year-old parliamentary tea room staff member to finally outrun the clock. Scott Pack decided to commemorate Florence's achievements in a series of tweets that included photos and rare video footage of her undertaking. It wasn't until tweet 10 of 12 that he revealed his personal connection to this speedy woman. I caught up with Scott in his hometown of Windsor, England. My name is Scott Pack. I am a writer and a publisher. I live in Windsor, which is just outside of London and very close to quite a famous castle. And I am the grandson of Florence Eilot. Hi, Scott, and welcome to the show. It's wonderful to have you join us. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks very much. So I'd love to start by having you take us back to 1934 and telling us about your grandmother's historic run. Well, yes, my grandmother, when she was in her late teens, worked in the tea rooms of the Houses of Parliament in London. The way she used to tell it, she worked in the members' wives' tea room, which I've always found quite interesting because I don't think you could have such a thing today. But back in the 1930s, there weren't many female members of parliament. So apparently, there was a separate tea room for the wives of the male MPs. And that's where she, that's where she worked. But she was an amateur runner. And word had got round that she was uh, quite a fast runner. Her speciality was the 220-yard dash, as it was called then, roughly the equivalent to the 200 metres today. And Apparently, one of the MPs had said to her, Flory, why don't you give this a go? And this was uh, some sort of weird tradition that they had at Parliament to try and run across Westminster Bridge, which is the bridge right next to the Houses of Parliament, within the 12 chimes of noon. I have no idea where the tradition came from. I imagine two drunk MPs one day deciding to give it a go. And she, she said, let's do it. And it just so happened that her boyfriend, then later to become my grandfather, his, uh, his brother was a journalist. So I, I think they set it up so that some journalists would be there. And she gave it a go One, on this day in April. She, she jogged across to the other side of Westminster Bridge, where St Thomas's Hospital is, which is quite a well-known hospital in London. And she stood at the steps of St Thomas's Hospital. And then when the first bong from Big Bang sounded, she started to sprint across Westminster Bridge and managed to do it within the 12 chimes. And up until recently, that was basically the story. That's a story she would tell us when she was still alive, uh, something I remember her talking about frequently throughout my childhood. And we had a couple of clippings from newspapers of the time. And that was basically it. That was, that was the story. 
which is fantastic. And then more recently, I spoke to my father and I said, can you dig out some of these clippings? Because I, I think I could make a nice Twitter thread out of it. You know, I'm a writer by profession, so I should be able to tell a half-decent story, especially when the raw material is so fantastic. And I thought, I'll, I'll just quickly Google to see if there are any images or if there's any content that my dad hasn't got. And so I did it. And the, the only thing that came up at the time was a video on YouTube of her running across the bridge. And it just took my breath away because I didn't know it existed. I immediately sent a link to my dad, who was shopping for antiques somewhere, <laughs> and he had never seen it before. So it was remarkable, and I was able to add it to the end of the thread. And I think it, um, the story with the pictures and then ending up with the fact that we'd finally see, we, we saw this footage of her doing it, it just really brought the whole thing to life. So there's that in a nutshell is Florence's story and how it ended up on Twitter. Well, and it, it really is such a fantastic image. I mean, hearing you recount the story is already so evocative. You can picture it's a spring day, it's the middle of the day, the bridge would likely be packed with people and, and vehicles. And here is this young woman, you know, just booking it from one end of this bridge to the other. <laughs> Absolutely. But when you see the video, it's typical 1930s style. There's no sound and it, it's got sort of that old timey sped up feel about it. But even with that, you can really get a sense of how fast she's going and how sort of surprised and I think awestruck a lot of the pedestrians around her are at seeing this young woman sort of running for her life, it looks like. It's really weird. And also just the amount of traffic yeah. as well. And the amount of, so she, they didn't stop the traffic or anything. She was running through cars and pedestrians and presumably tourists as well. Mm -hmm. I actually crossed that bridge quite a lot just when I got to, to London for meetings and things like that. And it's not that busy today. Um, it was far, far busier then. So yeah, it was just, it was fascinating to see. And of course, the other weird thing about it is that, I mean, she looks like my nan, you know, a younger version of my nan, but that's what she looks like. But she was 19 years old. So, you know, it's, it's bizarre. And I, as most grandchildren are, in my head, my grandmother's an old woman. She was always old because that's when, that's when I knew her. So, yeah, it was uh, remarkable to see her do it. And interestingly, the video footage had only been put up this year. Huh. So it's, it's fairly new. Uh, some archive company had been digitizing old newsreel footage, and that's, that's how it ended up there. So Florence would never have seen that video herself then, likely? I'm not sure. She never mentioned it. Okay. But but the reason it was covered by the press and presumably the newsreel company um, is because of this contact with a journalist. So so my grandfather's brother was ended up being um, I think deputy editor of the Daily Express in the UK years later. So he was a successful journalist. So I assume he was involved in some way of rustling up all the interest. So she could well have seen it in newsreel footage. She may have gone to the cinema to see it, but she never mentioned it. So we really don't know. Um, she talked about the day a lot and she used to tell the story quite a bit and lots of other stories about her running career as well. But yeah, I, I, we don't know. We have no idea if she ever saw it. Well, it must be so neat for you and, and for the rest of your family to be unearthing all of these details about her that you didn't know while she was alive. I mean, what a wonderful way to preserve her memory and her, her life and her story. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she, she died quite some time ago and, um, it was, yeah, it was nice to have those, have those memories come back. And she was always, you know, happy to chat about these things and would tell also because she, you know, she met her future husband running. He was an amateur runner as well. And in those days, they would be given prizes 
like um, sets of cutlery or clocks or crockery or things like that. That's what you'd win if you won a race. You didn't get money in those days. So um, the house was full of these things. In fact, I've got a set of her knives and forks that must be sort of 70 odd years old, if, if uh, maybe even more, uh, that she won in races. So, um, so yeah, it was great. Isn't that something? As I said, I'm a professional runner myself, and you know, it's it's great now that I can I can actually win some prize money occasionally. But more often than not, I, I don't win money, and we're given you know a finisher's medal or something. And in reading your grandmother's story, I thought I could really use a new coffee set. <laughs> <laughs> I would happily trade for those. <laughs> I've got. I mean, in the attic, I've got two or three different. I mean, different like proper the, the, the boxes that you fold up, and then you've got the velvet lining, and then you've got various knives and forks or cake slices and things like that in there. I've got a few of those. I know my parents have still got some of the stuff. So they actually kitted out the kitchen pretty well from running. <laughs> so I, I, I know what you mean. I mean, it'd be great, wouldn't it? Just, oh, I'm just going to win a race this weekend and I'll, I'll end up with a microwave or something. Who knows? So as you mentioned, Florence ran from St. Thomas's Hospital at one end of the bridge to the Elizabeth Tower at the other end. And there's been, I think, some contention on Twitter as to how long that distance actually was and how long it actually took. So some estimates that say it was 1,160 feet or about 353 meters, and that she covered the distance in about 40 seconds, which no disrespect to Florence, but seems nearly impossible given that that pace is just a touch slower than the current women's world record in the 200 meter. Oh, absolutely. And also it was done in traffic. So there's no way that no way that could have happened. Right. So you actually tweeted a few days after after your initial series of tweets that the story had made it to Canada in 1934 and was reported on by the Winnipeg Evening Tribune at that time. Indeed, yes. And in that article, it actually states that the distance was 230 meters and that the time was 46 seconds. And I'm not sure where they got those figures from, although that does, while still very impressive, seem a little more realistic. Yeah, it, do- it does seem, yeah, that seems doable. Just a note here, after digging a little deeper... I discovered engineering documents relating to the construction of the bridge. These state that it is 246.8 meters in length. It was reported on the day of Florence's run that she completed this distance by the time that Big Ben rang 10 of its 12 chimes, a duration of 40 seconds. That converts to 32 seconds for the 200 meter. This may not seem particularly impressive by today's world-class sprinting standards, but keep in mind that she was impeded by traffic and pedestrians and wasn't assisted by modern racing shoes. Well, in either case, Florence was obviously a very talented and capable sprinter. Do you know what her other personal bests were? No, no, we really don't. She used to chat about it a lot, but I don't think she kept she kept the records. And like I say, my grandfather uh, was also quite a decent runner, but we have no idea what their times were. We've got no don't appear to have any other clippings or anything like that. So, so I mean, it's sad in one way because I know athletes and, and running, you know, records and times and personal bests are all really important. But I just remember her talking about it with just such love and enjoyment. And so that's, I'm happy with that. It would be nice to know what her bests were, but she just loved running. Mm, yeah, that's wonderful. So if, if we don't know what her times were, did she speak much about other aspects of her career? So how she got interested in running and what her training and competitions looked like? If she ever had any Olympic aspirations, anything like that? I mean, there was talk that both of them were in contention for for the Olympics, which I assume would have been the 32 or 36 Olympics. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. They They basically said they decided to get married instead. 
<laughs> which is quite a romantic story, but who knows? She talks a little bit about some of her other races, not really her training or anything like that. We didn't really ever get into that sort of detail. It's one of those things that now, of course, you'd love to ask those questions. But but a lot of the time, I was just her young grandson, and I, you know, I was asking, you know, what's for dinner, and can I have another sweet or whatever it might be. <laughs> but she, yeah, she always talked, talked about it very fondly. Um, she always spoke about the prizes that she'd won, but never really times, never really uh, her training schedule. I do know that her father, who obviously would have been, well, he'd have been a Victorian when he was born and raised, he didn't like the idea of a young woman running. So he, he used to frown upon it. So she didn't get to do it as much as she would have liked. But I don't know how much that restricted her because clearly she met her future husband running and she she ran quite a few races. So I think I would say she was... I mean, realistically, she was a very good amateur runner. And maybe if she'd been able to concentrate purely on that, then she could have perhaps qualified for, for some big races. And who knows, maybe have gone to the Olympics, but it, but it didn't happen. But she never expressed any regret about her career, really. Occasionally, you know, she, she, she regretted occasionally not winning a particular prize. But, but I think she was, she was just really, really happy running. But like I say, when I knew her, she was, you know, getting old and I never saw her run. You know, she wasn't someone who'd go for a jog around the block, um, you know, in her 60s. She, she, she'd settled in quite comfortably to the sofa by that point. Right. Well, speaking about that, the context of that era, in the 1930s, there were actually only six events contested in the Olympics in athletics for women. And the only running distances were the 100 meter, the 80 meter hurdles and the four by 100 meter relay. And in fact, after six women collapsed following the 800 meter event in the 1928 games, the distance was actually considered too dangerous. And for the next 32 years, the longest distance that women were permitted to race at the Olympics was 200 meters. So given given that, and given the fact that you've said that her father wasn't too keen on her running, it seems fairly bold that Flo as a young woman would take up this very public challenge to run across this bridge and then become really the only person or the first person to do it successfully. Did your grandmother consider herself to be a bit of a trailblazer that way? No, not really. She she did know. I mean, she was very proud of the fact that she was the first person to do it. And it's it's one of these things. It's been part of our family folklore all the you know, just forever. So no, I don't think she really considered herself much of a trailblazer. She would have been stunned by the reaction this has had. I mean, the, you know, so many athletes and sports commentators and people like yourself getting involved. Um, I, she would have loved it. She would have loved it, um, and she may well have. She may well have turned around and said, "Finally, I'm being recognised for the great athlete I was." But no, she se- she seemed very happy. I think, to be honest, uh, and I think this is quite sweet and romantic. She she felt that athletics was the way she met her husband, and they were together their entire lives. They they died six months apart. They were you know totally in love went everywhere together and i think that's and of course she she came from the era that when you got married you you know you gave up your job you became a housewife but she she seemed very happy and content and just like liked sharing the memories they were always very as a couple they were always very supportive of me i remember when i first left home i lived in a converted garage it was fine but it was let's just say it was quite basic and they came to visit me about two or three days after i moved in and it was you know it was very, very basic. And they walked in and they looked around and they just went, oh, this is so much nicer than the first place we had. And we had two deck chairs and a, and a gas ring. They said, 
And it just made me feel, because I was, you know, very happy with the place, but I knew it was a bit of a dive. And they just made me feel so at home and feel so good about it. Bless them. So, yeah, they were always incredibly supportive. And and they, they were just lovely people, really nice people. And this was just one little aspect of them. And I just, you know, I wish I'd got to know more about it. But, you know, they told us as much as they were happy to tell us. My grandfather was a major in the war and was stationed at Windsor Castle, which I can actually see from my house if I stretch my head a little bit. But he didn't want to talk about the war. It's something he chose not to talk about. They both love talking about running. And so did they meet as a result of running or did they just both happen to be runners and and met and discovered that they had this similar passion? I, I think they met at, at, a, at a track meet. Yeah. Um, the, the story, as I understand it, is that they would, I mean, the thing is, of course, as you'll, as you'll know, you know, if you're running, whether it be, I mean, they both lived in London, so they've been running in and around London and the area. You'd see the same runners over and over. You'd see the same athletes mm-hmm. and you'd compete against the same athletes. So my understanding is, from what I can remember, that they would see each other at various meetings and got to know each other that way. I owe sprinting to my very existence because if I hadn't have met, I wouldn't be here. Well, and so are you a runner yourself? Oh, bless you. No. I, actually, as a, as a kid, I was quite fast. And when I was at school, I did represent the school at county level in one race. It was the 4 by 100 relay and we were disqualified. Oh, no. So that's the extent of my athletic. But I, but I you know... I think I was quite fast, but I've never really been sporty. I'm I'm a writer and a publisher. I, I I spend my time sitting in a chair reading books and writing books and editing books. So no, I'm not particularly sporty. And I don't think any of her grandchildren are actually thinking about it. Interesting. Yeah. Well, it, you you certainly have the genes given that both of your grandparents uh, on that side come from a running background. So you know, it's never too late to take it up. Uh, that's very optimistic of you. We'll see. I might go for a I might go for a brisk stroll later. Let's let's start things gently. All right, one step at a time. <laughs> Given that you don't have a running background yourself, um, it sounds like perhaps your grandmother, well, both your grandparents, are responsible for your interest in in running as a spectator or as someone who would hear about running stories. And a few days after your first series of tweets about Florence, you actually released a second series this time covering a story of a competitor of your grandmother's, I believe a Polish sprinter named Stanislava Velasevich. That's pretty good. I'll let you, you can have the pronunciation on that one. Well done. And this woman was um, the subject of a lot of gender testing and was accused of being a man and was a hugely successful, I believe, an Olympic gold medalist in the 30s. So did your interest in her story and, and in track and field in general sort of stem from growing up hearing your grandparents talking about running? Well, no, that was a yeah. That's a very specific story. The um, now the good news is that she did take on the name Stella Walsh, which is much easier to pronounce. She's actually a, a runner who ran against my my grandmother, and I told this story at my grandmother's funeral when I spoke at her funeral um, because she always used to tell it. And, and the way she told it was that she was running in a race, and they were told that an Olympic champion was going to be taking part. So everyone else in the race got a five-yard head start. And the prize for this particular race was a granddaughter clock. I didn't really know what that was. I had to go and look it up. But basically, you know what a grandfather clock is. Um, But depending on the height of that clock, it could be a grandfather clock, a grandmother clock, or a granddaughter clock. So the prize was a granddaughter clock. She really wanted this clock. She raced against this Olympic athlete and only just lost. She was just a very close second. But she always spoke about the fact that this athlete didn't change with the other athletes, didn't socialize with them, didn't really speak to them, just took the prize and went. And then decades later, 
my grandfather came across a newspaper cutting which said that this athlete, Stella Walsh, had been very tragically killed in a holdup in America where she lived. And during the autopsy, it was revealed that she was a man. And my grandmother's reaction to that was immediately, I knew I should have had that granddaughter clock. Now, this was, this was the fact, this was the way the story was told. And actually, it was the way the story was reported. When I delved into that a little bit more following the tweets about Flory's run across the bridge, it then transpired that it was actually not quite like that, although it was reported that way. Uh, Stella Walsh was actually um, intersex, which is a subject that's come up a lot in athletics over the last few mm-hmm. years. She was born a woman, raised a woman, lived as a woman, and as far as I'm concerned, was a woman. Um, it just so happened that when she was tragically killed, you know, they had to do the autopsy and, and, and they found out this fact. But she was a remarkable athlete herself. I think she, so she was an Olympic med- gold medalist. And she also, I think she did the discus on the same day as she did the sprint. Um, she was at the Berlin Olympics and the 32 Olympics. Um, so reading about her life was just as fascinating as, as um, finding out about my, my grandmother's past. And of course, I understand why in her version of events, she was beaten by a man, because that's the way it was explained. And she always had a grudge that she'd been beaten <laughs> um, in this way. Um, but the truth is a little bit more complex, a bit more subtle than that. But it's, um, yeah, Stella Walsh, um, for anyone who's not found out about her career, she is fascinating, a remarkable athlete and well worth looking up, finding out more about her. Yeah, inc- incredible, incredible athlete. Yeah. And and as you said, an issue, interestingly enough, that has come up many times recently in athletics. And here we are several decades later, and and it's still sort of a a hot button topic for a number of female runners. Yeah, absolutely. So you put out this series of tweets with the goal of sharing your grandmother's story, and very quickly it went viral. Why do you think it garnered so much attention and interest? I mean, you said you weren't really expecting that. You thought it was a sweet story and that it might get a little bit of attention from people you knew, but it's been seen over a million times. There have been some celebrities that have reached out to you about it. What what do you think it is that resonates with people? I think there's a couple of things. I think we respond well to good news stories on social media because so much of social media has become unpleasant, which is a shame because it could be such a force for good. So when people, I mean, you know what it's like, you see a nice, cute, fluffy kitten video on Twitter and you're happy for a few minutes. This was sort of a little bit of an extended version of that. I think, yeah, it was a good news story. I think also it celebrates uh, a groundbreaking woman. And, you know, there's no harm in shouting about fantastic women these days. I think it's, you know, the more we can do it, the better. So I think it does that. It was the personal story. I mean, I think there's the the way the tweets are arranged. I didn't reveal she was my grandmother until about halfway through. And some people did. I I got a lot of contact from people saying that they cried at that point, which wasn't really my intention. I apologize profusely for upsetting anyone. But yeah, the idea was just to let's tell you about this amazing woman and then reveal my personal contact with her and then share this video, which we we just didn't exist. So all of that together, I think it's very hard to be critical of that. It's very hard to see it as anything other than a good news story. So so that was lovely. And then, as you know, with social media, it just takes one person to retweet it or mention it who has a high profile or is uh, you know has lots of followers. And then it all expands from there. So we had... I had members of parliament get involved. We had various sports presenters in the UK tweeted it. And then people were sending, lots of people sent it, bless her, to Dina Asher-Smith, who I think is amazing. And um, she, uh, I think her response was, how long is this bridge and how long would, how much time would I have to run across it? So, yeah, so there's lots of, lots of things have happened as a result. So I, I've been invited to parliament with my family um, by one of the MPs and 
obviously I've been doing a few uh, chats with people like your good self. There is BBC Sport are looking into the possibility of setting up a virtual rerun. So they're going to see if they can get an athlete to try and do it again but with a virtual version of Flory running across the bridge uh, to race them. Um, we'll see. One of the sad things about this, of course, is that Big Ben currently isn't chiming. Um, the bell's uh, shut down for a few years while it's, while it's repaired. So you couldn't actually reenact it properly until, I think, three or four years from now, which, w- which would be a shame. But yeah, overall, I just think it's a, it's a nice story. It's, um, it helps that there were some nice photos and footage and stuff. And the, the overwhelming response has been sweet and positive and people just saying thanks very much for sharing the story. So, so yeah, so pe- people are basically quite nice deep down. I know it can be sometimes hard to believe when you see the news at the moment. But, yeah, people are basically quite nice and, and like to celebrate other good people, I think. Just for our Canadian listeners who might not be as familiar, Dina Asher-Smith is a British Olympic sprinter. She's an Olympic medalist. And yeah, it it really did seem in her tweet that she was potentially expressing some interest in recreating this this run. And the thing is, so Big Ben is, is out of commission for another few years, and I believe that it's going to be back working in 2021, which in some ways is perfect because it's the year after the Olympics and some of the pressure will be off. And so maybe we'll see a bunch of the world's top sprinters come together. <laughs> they should have a sanctioned race across the Westminster Bridge and in, in Flo's memory. How wonderful would that be? It would be fantastic. And a few people have suggested it should perhaps become something that they do uh, every now and again, uh, which, which would be lovely. And if Dina wants to give it a go, I'd be I'd be delighted. I mean, I think she did a world's best time earlier in the year in the in the hundred. She'd be fantastic. So, um, and I am an avid sports watcher. You know, I'm an armchair enthusiast um, and love watching the athletics. So, so yeah, it would be wonderful to see it come back in some way. And people have said, oh, there should be a, a plaque on the bridge to mark it, and all it's it's all lovely. Ultimately, I'm just perfectly happy that I shared the story and, and it brought a bit of pleasure to some people. You know, I'm, I'm actually quite an old cynic at heart, so it's quite nice to prove myself wrong occasionally. Um, and I, I was happy that this was a way to do it. You can find the photos and video of Florence's bridge run on our website or check out Scott's Twitter thread by following him at me and my big mouth. And that's it for this week. A big thank you to Scott Pack for taking the time to speak with us from the UK on his birthday, no less, and for sharing the beautiful memories of his Nan. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. We want to give a special shout out to everyone racing the Athletics Canada Cross Country Championships this weekend in Kingston, Ontario. Keep an eye out for our Canadian running crew around the course. You can follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ShakeOut Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any place that you get your podcasts. Talk with you again next week.